On imom.com, we share ideas, insight, and inspiration. We do all that here too, by sharing the best kind of stories, mom stories. We're all at different ages and stages, but one thing we have in common is that we're striving and sometimes struggling to love our children well. It's the iMom Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the I'm On Podcast. I'm Abby with Susan, Megan, and Chloe, this week's storyteller. This week's episode is Timing in Life is Everything. By listening to this podcast, we're guessing you're already a mom, but can you think back to before kids when you had this dream for when you'd first get pregnant? You know, did you have everything planned out? And then do you remember people asking you when you're going to start having kids? If you're having a hard time remembering that, Chloe is going to bring it all back for you. Yes, this is my reality. (laughs) Um, So I am 27 and my husband Trent and I have been married for three years. We don't have kids yet, but we look forward to being parents one day. And recently I was grabbing coffee with a friend of mine. She's a mom of two. And she asked me when were were Trent and I going to start thinking about having kids. And I told her... You know, we don't have a timeline nailed down yet, um, but I'm excited for whenever that day comes. She expressed some concern. She was worried because we don't know if we're going to have an easy time or a difficult time getting pregnant. And she wanted me to start thinking about starting the process to try and get pregnant soon. Um, And I know she was just doing that because she wanted me to experience the joys of motherhood she knows I want to be a mom one day which was really sweet but it did start to kind of alarm me and in the exact same week I was having a conversation with another friend where she asked me you know when when are you and Trent gonna start having kids and I gave her the same answer you know we don't have a timeline nailed down yet but now I'm getting a little concerned and her response was the exact opposite oh my gosh, you're so young. You guys have so much time. You need to enjoy this time together. So I just kind of left that week being like, okay, so what are we dealing with here? And I just feel like the last three years we've been married, we've been constantly getting this, you know, wait to have kids or have kids fast. There's opinions everywhere, Mm -hmm. um, whether I've asked for them or not. And typically I haven't asked for them. (laughs) Um, but it's you know whether you're you know wanting to have kids as soon as you get married or wanting to wait a little bit longer it feels like you have to declare your plan and and be confident and be loyal to it um and it's just a little overwhelming sometimes and I think also because we're all talking about everything everybody shares everything yes um it feels people feel like it's their place to say so one of our taglines you know for this podcast is every mom has a story And the truth is every mom has a story about how she became a mom. Mm -hmm. And we aren't necessarily in a place to judge the timing of that as moms now, you know, because we might remember it. But now that we're on this side of the situation, we feel like, oh, well, now that I'm a mom, I can tell you when the right time is. And I think that there's something to be learned for all the moms listening. Like, how do you treat your coworker, your niece, your neighbor, your friend at church who's 10 years younger than you? How do you approach this woman lovingly and not make her feel like she's being judged or pressured or um, yeah, or just put in a situation where she's being forced to make a, a choice right then. Yeah. It's tricky. Make a public statement. This is my plan. Right. <laughs> Megan, you're going to say something about this. Why don't you tell what you learned that you didn't know before you got pregnant 
that kind of did scare you about timing? So I got married when I was 26, was in no rush to have kids. I don't think either my husband or I were and found out I was pregnant when I was 28, had my first when I was 29, but it was a surprise. So I wasn't quite ready for it. I think God's timing is perfect. So it worked out great as it was, but at the same time, I wasn't itching to have kids. And, And I honestly kind of struggled with the thought of like, I think mentally, I know I want to be a parent. I just don't feel quite ready. But anywho, I, I had him when I was 29, but I went to the doctor and they give you a welcome packet and there's just like so much information in there. And it was kind of overwhelming. Not really how I pictured it at all. I kind of pictured it as, you know, you get married and then you have like a baby a year or two later. And it's this like, you know, super magical thing, which it is, mm-hmm. but like the reality slaps you in the face when you get this massive welcome packet. And in the packet, you know, they go over with you all the different appointments and the screening that you can opt into or opt out of and, you know, all the information. And and there was this one piece of it that was talking that gave you the uh, percentage of birth defects and different, um, I don't even know what they would call it, but the percentage of it essentially increases as you get older. And then once you hit 35, it, it really went up. Oh, and then um, they use the G word and they call you a geriatric. Yeah. Oh, wait, pregnancy. Yeah. that was amazing yeah. to me that mm-hmm. they call you geriatric. Yeah. And so that was just something I was completely unaware of. I, you know, I never heard anyone talk about it. And in my mind, I've always kind of wanted to have three kids. That was just the number I landed on. And I start doing the math and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I have this one when I'm 29, I'm going to have to like get on the other two right away <laughs> if I want to have kids before I'm 35 and I want to like get ahead of these percentages and be done by the time I'm 35 and it was just something mentally that like I had never anticipated or planned for and I honestly didn't even know existed that 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 was there and maybe that was just me being like dumb and naive but I was kind of also the first out of my friends to have a kid so Maybe that's why I'd never heard about it, but it scared me because then I felt like I was this like ticking time bomb of needing to, you know, if I want to have three kids, I have to have them before I'm 35. Uh, And so that was just something that I experienced that I didn't anticipate. It's so interesting because statistics show that the median age for women giving birth has risen from 27 to 30. And so now it is at an all time high. So now most women in the United States who are having babies are in that or nearly in that quote geriatric range which it's just so so interesting to to see how things have changed whereas you know like when i was graduating from college we were all the mindset of married at 24 and have your first baby at 26 and then be almost done having babies by 30 so it didn't take but 10 years for that mindset to kind of switch and shift to be a little bit older mm. but i think that when we encounter somebody who doesn't have kids, I think that naturally we want to tell them to do what worked for us or what we experienced that didn't work for us. So, you know, if you got married and you waited 15 years, maybe to have your first child and on purpose, you waited and you say, oh, well, I saw my kids' friends' mothers were so much younger and they could keep up and I couldn't, you know, I was tired all the time. Like then you might tell her to have kids younger. I think it's all motivation by what worked for you or didn't work for you. I think as women who already have children, except for Chloe, I think we have to be careful, even with Megan, what Megan wants to share with people, because I know several moms who who are having fertility problems and 
you know, you may be tempted to say, hey, I don't know, like what your friend said to you. She, yeah. For all she knew, you, you could have been having fertility problems yeah. and burst into tears and said, well, that'd be great yeah. if I could get get pregnant, you know. Yeah. You know? So be aware of the fact, I, I think that we, it probably is not our business to bring up at all mm. because you don't know what about the poor women out there who are waiting for marriage sure. and just yeah. haven't found the right sure. person or what about the women who are in a marriage that maybe is not doing well and are hesitating to bring a child into that. So I think we have to be careful of mom camps, you know, mm. the the camp of whether you use the pacifier or not, the whether the camp of whether you're organic or not and the camp of how long are you going to wait before you have children. I think if you are on the marriage side like you are on Chloe where you haven't really started trying yet to really think and pray about your life you, because if you feel really called to your work right now and you work for a nonprofit, we're a mission yeah. field. So you, yeah. I know you care about it. Then it's okay to trust God and yeah. wait. If you feel called that you want to be a stay-at-home mom, then you need to be okay. You know, follow your calling mm. and and whatever risks you face when you get there, whether it's infertility or, um, you know, a delay, you, you decide to go ahead and have children early and then you have to you you you're delaying your career somewhat. You don't get promoted to the place that you want to on time. You have to be okay with it. It's God's plan. Um, then the last thing I would say, my con- biggest concern is the decline of the birth rate. Why are some people not having children at all? Not that we all should, because some people are called not to. But are we delaying that decision without really looking at it as an important one? Yeah. Well, you just said a lot. That so was a lot. Let's go I know. Back. That was a long. No, no, that's good though. So let's start at the end with why people are not having kids. Mm-hmm. I think that, like you said, there are some people who that is the right decision for them. And I think that's that's great and that's fine. The folks that say that they don't want to have children because either it's too expensive or they are being honest and saying, I don't, I'm too selfish to have kids. I mean, and I've heard people say that before mm-hmm. and I admire the the being honest with themselves. But I think that, you know, once you have children, you realize that the things that you were, that you wanted before just shift. Mm-hmm. And so that selfishness, selfishness doesn't, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't have that same punch. Well, it's like that in marriage. I mean, I, I feel sure, like I'm yeah. experiencing that on a micro level right now. Um, any, you know, sacrifice I have to make for my husband, whether it's he needs to do something for work. So I need to come home a little bit early and, you know, do something at the house. It really doesn't bother me that much because I love him and I want to help him in whatever way mm-hmm. I can. Yeah. Sure. It's times a billion with kids. But yeah. <laughs> Susan, what were you saying? Um, you'd said before about a conversation you overheard about somebody saying how expensive kids were. Yeah, this is funny. So we are in an office building that shares a break room. This was not somebody I work with. I don't even know this person's name because there are a lot of people in the break room. And I was sitting at the table eating and he was uh, at the microwave but talking to someone who was sitting at the table, like right next to me. And he was saying, yeah, I did the math. And this is what I figured out. It's like a quarter of a million to raise a child right now. And he said, we're just not doing that. A quarter of a million. I don't want a quarter of a million of my income going to something else right now. So yeah, we're not having kids. I find that to be so like such a skewed way of thinking, you know, like it's not a lump sum you have to pay out all at once. <laughs> oh, you know? I, I was laughing inside. I'm like, this guy clearly does not know that over the half the people in this break yeah. room work for family yeah. first. Yeah. Do you know what we do? <laughs> do you know? <laughs> I'm mom, all yeah. pro dad. 
Well, I wanted to laugh. Like if you add up, bro, like how much you're spending on cheeseburgers in your life, like that yeah. might be $800,000 on cheeseburgers. Yeah. And would you ever go, you know what? I'm willing to invest $800 in cheeseburgers. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you love them that much, but <laughs> probably it's like, that's such a, an odd way of looking at a life, <laughs> you know, like how much you're going to have to put out to, to fund it. But um, well, and if I'm, that's what you're so concerned with, probably probably best if we're going. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that's well, a. Yeah, I'm wondering if when he got married, he was like, "Okay, what do you make? I'm going to double my income by marrying this woman." Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and it comes from like thinking about having kids in a very like systematic functional kind of way, mm. as opposed to just like you know, this is I love my husband and. I want to make a life with him. Like I want to build a family with him. You know, I think that when you love somebody that you often is the next step. It, like you said, Susan, it's not for every couple and that's understandable. But, um, you know, when you instead put a price tag on that child's mm. life, it just, it, I don't think that he's at the point right now. It sounds like it, where he's not <laughs> at the point where he's realizing what a child really means and what it really is. So in thinking of ways we can encourage the women in our lives who are not moms yet, you three as mothers, what's something that someone said to you, maybe they had a kid then before you were a mom, Mm. what's something they said to you that did encourage you and and made you excited for motherhood, but also comforted in the season of life you were in? For me, it was not so much the words, but more the example, you know, Um, because I was one of the later ones in my group of friends. And I, I'm not saying my friends said it was all joy, but I got to see them loving their children so deeply that I was like, I want that. Mm. I want that. And I, and not only that, I got to see their husbands loving those kids so much. And it's just really Um, a powerful witness to watch someone that you love, like a friend that you love fall so deeply in love with this child that to me, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm ready to sign me up. That's so true. Although my kids, neither of my kids were planned. Um, We just kind of were like, all right, well, if it happens, it happens. So there was never, I didn't have that. And I'm kind of jealous, but I didn't have that all right, do we want to start trying? Okay, let's start trying. And then getting excited about taking the test and then standing there with the test and waiting for it to turn. We did not have like a that. Clear blue commercial. Yes, we did not have the commercial experience either time. Um, the first time it was like almost our anniversary and I was like, I got you an anniversary gift. <laughs> and I handed him the pregnancy test. And the second time, which was the day after our son's first birthday, I held my son in front of my face and I said, you know how cute he is, right? Like he is so cute and you love him so much. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I said, let's, we're going to have another one. (laughs) And he just stared at me. So, so that's my story. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Has that convinced you, Chloe? Well, uh, no, but (laughs) I- Should I I have quit while I was ahead? (laughs) No, I I do love that because you're absolutely right. Whenever I see my friends who've become moms and the way that they are just so in love with this little human that they made- it does inspire me and, and make me excited mm-hmm. for that yeah. as well. What about you, Megan or Susan? I was really, like I said, really hesitant to to have kids. I think I was just, I really liked our stage of life and I really liked what we were doing and none of my friends really had kids yet. So I didn't feel this like pressure to have to have kids. Uh, but then I, I did get pregnant and it was a surprise, but I... I have to say, I it's it's so indescribable because yes, you do lose a phase of life and you move into a new phase and your life does look completely different. And there's hard days, 
but there's, but it's just, it's such an indescribable joy. Um, and so I would tell my friends that were thinking of having kids or that were nervous to have kids. I was like, listen, I'm not going to tell you it's easy. I'm not going to tell you it's a, it's a cakewalk. It's, it's extremely difficult. And you really start to realize how selfish you are, (laughs) um, and how much you have to give up to become a parent. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I think being a parent gets a bad rap because people talk a lot about the hard things and the difficult things and the day-to-day nuances and things like that. But I was like, I would do it a million times over because my child just brings so much joy and it's just a a different phase of life. It's hard to explain. I think that to Megan's point, it's the people who can be honest with you and and not pretend like it's all easy. Mm -hmm. I think those are the people that you hopefully will listen to most closely because you know they're not trying to pull one over on you. Yeah. 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 I will say though, there is this trend about like being super honest about the hard days that yeah, I think it's important to remember that we all feel that the piece of advice we are about to give is the best piece of advice that this person's ever going to get. And (laughs) we need to remember that that person is also receiving advice from lots of other people. So well, you may think that your one traumatic story about this is going to help that person. That person may have heard six other traumatic stories about a similar situation. Sure. So you're just like helping them build a case for mm-hmm. why this one thing could be so terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's I, I, there's a balance there. I, I Megan, have you because you said you were the first in your friend group to have kids? Pretty much. I. I, I would say traumatic birth experience, <laughs> but I really tried not to tell them about it. I would say, you know, I had some things go wrong and some complications, but I don't want to tell you because I really don't want to scare you because I think I am the minority, not mm. the majority. A lot of people have really regular. So until they had kids, I tried to really not talk about it to them because I didn't want them to be scared out of their mind. Yeah. Uh, because people did tell me really scary stuff that I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if I, <laughs> this doesn't sound lovely. Um, so, but I also think even more than just like ha- physically having the baby, people would complain a lot about like things with their kids and how they couldn't do things and how, you know, they'd be like, well, I have a kid, so I can't do that. And I, you know, it was, yeah. it was just really like, you know, it it didn't sound like a really fun experience. And so I now as a mom, it makes me sad because I just like love being a mom and I love my kids. Like I said, good days and bad days. But I also think that to your point, there is this kind of cultural trend of being extremely honest and open and sharing everything, which I think is good because it makes people feel not alone and feel like, they have some community, but at the same time, I think it can really scare people out of having kids. And, and I think we, our generation tends to be with social media, a little bit more um, Mm self-focused. I don't want to say narcissistic because that sounds extreme, but more self-focused. And so to, to say that, you know, you're not going to be able to focus a hundred percent on yourself sounds kind of scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's true though, that to put it really bluntly, that life that you're living right now is going to be behind you. Yeah. It's a different life. That version of Chloe is gone. Yeah. She's still there in parts, but that, that part is 
is behind you and now you have this other part to look forward to doesn't mean that it's completely non-existent but you know it's new yeah and I think that's something worth embracing not running from you know yeah um one of the things that was also a motivator for me that it's always been in the back of my head there was a girl I went to high school with who got pregnant at the end of high school and I remember, obviously, you know, it was like one of those things that she didn't plan. And so as a 18 year old, it was real gossipy and, you know, stuff around our friend group. Um, and now her daughter is like a junior in college, oh, you know, or yeah. whatever. And her mother, so the grandmother and the daughter are really close. And I always thought, I don't want to wait so long to have kids that mm-hmm. my parents can't enjoy them. And that my kids won't remember their grandparents. Yeah. And I, like we said, for people who are desperately trying to have a child or want to be married and want to um, to, to get pregnant, it's like that's probably in the back of their mind, too. It's like, how much longer am I going to have these grandparents, like my parents around, to enjoy the, their grandchildren? So yeah. that was definitely something that for me, I was like, it's not just for me. I mean, this yeah. is our family and all the people that I know who have great grandparents still alive I'm like, or their grandparents are still alive. I'm like, what a blessing. Yeah to be able to have that. Because I think I heard that a while ago about how, you know, as the the median age for childbirth gets a bit older and older, our generations are being spread out more mm-hmm. and more. And so grandparents don't know their grandchildren and vice versa. So Yeah, because that's so true. Like, who is your child going to be in the life of so many other people? Mm-hmm. I mean, using Susan and Megan as an example, Susan, you chose to have Megan. Megan is someone- I didn't choose Megan, okay. but- Megan chose you. Uh, God chose Megan. God chose Megan. So glad. Yes, but like, and that's that's what I'm saying. It's like Megan blesses me and Abby, Mm -hmm. and it's you think about just who that child is going to be, not only in your life as a mom, but in the world. Yeah, you don't get to choose your kids. You don't always get to choose the timing. There's so much we don't get to choose that sometimes I think we overthink our choices. Oh, for sure. That's so true. I think that we are so used to having control over everything. Yes. The temperature of our house, it's in our hand on our phones. You know, we can adjust it even when we're not home. We can control um, the type of dog we have. We can get a hybrid dog so that we don't have allergy issues. Everything is controllable. And so for us to all of a sudden have to relinquish control is scary. Yeah. It's for sure scary. Yeah. Well, so, and I remember thinking like I was kind of the first one out of my friends and I and then I remember a lot of my friends having kids at the same time and thinking like, oh, I'm sad that like my kid is not the same mm-hmm. age as my friend's kids and, you know, yada, yada. And just really in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter. You have to have kids when you feel like it's right, yeah. right for you. And I mean, just because it doesn't even mean that they'll, you know, grow up together because you may move or go to school together because they may go to different schools. They might or, not like each other. Yeah. Right. They might not even like each other. Susan, as um, somebody, as a director here at, at Family First and iMom, um, how do you like feel about the whole issue and maternity and all that? I mean, it's, you're kind of in a different position of giving advice. I mean, to Chloe, you're like, <laughs> don't Chloe, don't have, <laughs> yeah. I will say this. I am currently fighting for better maternity benefits. I I have had so many young women work for me who've had children. And way back years ago, gosh, maybe eight years ago when the first one did, I I remember how hard it was for her. her. 
Her daughter had developed a protein intolerance and she didn't know it, but the daycare was calling every single day. She's crying. We can't get her to eat. Was she, you know, and it took a while to figure it out. And poor Madison just feeling so bad because she had to rush home and not having enough PTO to cover all this time she was taking off. And she was miserable and I was sad and we were crying and we couldn't figure out what was wrong with the baby. And it was just so much pressure for her. So fighting for longer maternity benefits, I think if you are a working mom out there who manages other people, fight for that. I'd say also, you know, poor Chloe, I tease her all the time. I've got three women working for me right now who are either have little children or planning on having more little children. I go, take turns. No. <laughs> We're on a Chloe, schedule. We're on a schedule. Take turns. You cannot all be this out This is not time. your month, Chloe. No, so, no I'm wait. not allowed to say that. I'm not allowed to say it. I say it, but I'm not allowed to say that. But, uh, you know, advocating for, the, advocating for them on flex hours and more from homework, you know, being able to do some things at home when their kids are sick. Mm. Uh, I think those are things we can all do for moms. It is a season you know, until they build up their immunities and they're little. And it's hard to separate those first days back to work are difficult. You know, any concessions we can give women for that, I think, are huge because the the men, the men don't have that. They don't have recovery time. Yeah. And they don't usually have, they aren't the first caregiver. Yeah. I was reading about this, you know, the the trend of becoming, you know, older moms and the impact on culture in general and like the country in general. And one of the things I said was that women who delay having kids and advance to positions of authority at work then have the power to set policies that would help female mm-hmm. employees or offer, you know, paid maternity and paid paternity and allow flexible schedules, kind of like what you were just saying, Susan. So the point was, as we're getting having babies later, that the impact of this is going to be felt for generations to come, yeah. like in another 20 or 30 years, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, it's one probably one of the good things that comes yeah. from it. Because honestly, if you think about, I was talking with a friend earlier about a woman that she knew that had her first child at 23 compared to this friend who had her first at 31. And she said, I think that having her child at that age put her in a position at work where she wasn't able to advance. And that was partially the fault of the work. But, you know, I, I think that when you start work and you you don't have any kids yet, you have the ability to kind of you know, stake your claim and you show what kind of worker you are and you're very able to focus purely on yourself. Whereas if you have children, all of a sudden, you know, this comes up and you have to be mom. I mean, mom mm-hmm. being mom comes first. So I do think that there's some truth to, and there are statistics also that show that women who wait end up having higher salaries, you know, in oh. the long run. Um, so I think I'm really more of the mindset of when it's your time to have a baby, it's your time to have a yeah. baby, regardless of, you know, what your career goals are. But I thought that those statistics were interesting, um, for There's sure. There's pros and cons on all sure. sides. Yeah. yeah. They just are. I'll say one more thing, and I don't know if it's this is really having to do with the first-time moms, but I have seen more women who are pregnant after 40 now than I ever have before. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have any in your life, but, um, I mean, I have three friends that have all, that are either pregnant now or just had babies and that are they're all over 40 and not just 40 years old, like 44 years old. Wow. 
Um, and my son in our in his fourth grade class, there's two moms who have a kid in college and a kid in diapers. Wow. And so it's just very interesting how I think there's really no rules anymore yeah. for when to have a child. Yeah. Do you think that's because there are more women in leadership fighting for um, good maternity leave and care for working moms because there's more, generally more flexibility to work from home like Megan does, like there are more options for working moms? Maybe. I, I mean, I, I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. I think that for others, um, I think for a couple of these moms that I know, it was like an openness to pregnancy that maybe they didn't have before, you know, that they, or for some, I think for, there may have been, oh, I'm, I'm 43 now. And all of a sudden my body has changed and, oh, wow, I'm pregnant. Like, I think that can happen too. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I don't know. I just, I think it's so beautiful because Mm -hmm. they're a different kind of mom than when they're when totally. they're 42 versus when they're 32. Yeah. So I think it's beautiful and either way. for those way. women out there who are maybe uh, done parenting, you know, foster and adopt. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of advocacy for that. And so uh, there's there's so many options. Mm-hmm. There's so many options. Yeah. I found myself like kind of wanting to have another one. And then I think... Because I think, oh gosh, I feel like I've gained so much wisdom. You know, I've I've learned so much. Then I think, well, maybe that needs to be reserved for just the writing on Imola. <laughs> um, but but I have thought, you know, maybe adopting, maybe fostering is the the way to go. So I'll just be. I heard about someone that say this the other day, and I don't. Maybe it was one of y'all. Someone was telling me they were like, you know, you have kids, and every kid or each kid is so different. And it's like, you finally learn how to parent them in each different parenting style. And then like, once you finally figure it out, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, well, now I actually know what to do. I want to go back and, right. you know, you feel a lot more confident in your parenting ability. And I just thought that was so funny because it's like, you know, you kind of only have 18 years with them and then you finally figure it out and they're gone. And then you apply to be a contributor on imom.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So tell us um, what kind of pressure you felt maybe to get pregnant when you were at that at that age or that stage. And then what kind of advice you would give, you know, if somebody like Chloe came up to you and asked, which she says, normally I don't ask, but you know how you approach that, that woman who is married, but not yet with child. You can tell us via the link in the show notes. And that's also where you're going to find links um, to all sorts of good stuff on imom.com and our socials. And so thanks for listening. The iMom Podcast is hosted and produced by Abby Watts, along with Susan Merrill, Megan Tigner, and Chloe Blumenthal. Edited by Isaiah Gunther.